Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, hello there, football fans. Welcome to uh, an impromptu, another bonus edition of Footy Prime, the podcast. Today, James Sharman here, along with Brendan Dunlop. And it's why we brought Brendan along onto the show, so we can do such things when these other lazy bastards aren't around, which is all the time. So we thought, why would we do a podcast on a Sunday evening when we should be spending time with our families? Well, it's been another crazy day in the football world, as I'm sure you all know. Manchester United, Liverpool postponed after... A stadium invasion after a peaceful, quotation marks, peaceful fan protest against the Glazers erupted both inside and outside Old Trafford. Uh, really incredible scenes. And to, to shut down and postpone an entire Premier League match be, is unprecedented, especially for a fan protest. Um, listen, Still, we're getting details filtering in exactly what happened. We saw the footage. A policeman's apparently slashed the, the, you know, the minority of these violent fans were attacking police, throwing flares. They threw flares at the skybox, almost hit Jamie Carragher, apparently. And if it did, good luck to that flare, by the way. He's hard as nails, is Cara. But still, all joking aside, you know, this is a continuation of the ESL European Super League protests from two weeks ago now. Seems longer than that, doesn't it, given what's transpired in between? Um, but from a football fan standpoint, it's such a layered topic, isn't it? And I see so many points of view here, but the top one being no one wants these owners today, the Glazers, in power anymore. There's so many layers to it, but really that's the only end you know, goal of all these Manchester United fans and a lot of these fans that spoke up and really shut down the European Super League you know, within a 48-hour period. I think that's what's so incredible to see how much uh, power the fans have and how much you know, empowerment I think the, the fan groups have as well to feel that they could just go in and do that. Obviously not condoning any violence, uh, but re- you know, removing that and the property damage aside, I have no issue at all with what they did. It's pre- pretty incredible that they were able to you know gather uh be it as unresponsible as it or irresponsible as it may have been in a pandemic be it at the end of it in england as they they want to believe or are operating on anyway um but to be able to walk into old trafford like that and have the the mass match postponed that's going to spark you know a lot of conversation with some very high up officials uh, maybe not the glazers talking about selling which is the end goal here but i mean there's going to be 
you know, real talk within the Premier League and within the government about reform and ownership, and that's exactly what they're pushing for. Will they get a German model out of this, you know, one protest? Um, I don't think that they will, but they're certainly going to have conversations towards it, and if it, you know, leads to any other demonstrations, which um, Gary Neville and a few other people have called for, again, not with violence, but, you know, go out and show show how you truly feel and let's reform football in this country, then I think you're going to see a change. This can be, you know, this will be remembered as, as day one. Yeah, reform is a key word, isn't it, coming out of this? And we'll get to the violence, you know, soon enough, but reform is a key, key word here. Will it instigate change? And if this isn't, you know, um, a one-occasion protest, then it probably won't force change. It'll just get the conversation going. I think you need more of these things. And it's so difficult, isn't it, in, in this pandemic season to protest? Because the best way of doing this and it's been said for a long time, is just to not show up to the games. Now, in the past, there's been protests and there's been a walk from the local pub to the stadium and then they've all gone into the stadium or there's been a small section absent. Generally speaking, the fans return. And as long as the fans return, why the hell should the owners give a flying you-know-what about, you know, if they're upset or not? So, sadly, in a pandemic, it's very hard to not show up for a game when you're not invited anyway. So I guess you have to do this violence aside but there must be more of these things now um obviously they, they picked it well because it is a, a global game today manchester united liverpool is arguably the biggest game in english football still um and millions of people around the world are watching this thing or are supposed to be watching this thing so if that had be postponed today has really hurt the manchester united brand globally you know it has so you, you do wonder although it was a, a peaceful protest and it was planned apparently a week ago. You do wonder if, you know, and I'm sure no one would admit to this, if the violence part, which, again, God, no one condones, we're not condoning it, wasn't somewhat encouraged because that gets the statement across, right? Sadly, you know, you don't get a game postponed because of a peaceful protest. You just don't, right? right. The, the violent aspect, as bad as it was, is a reason this game got cancelled. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, though, whenever you have a, you know, a gathering like that with tempers as high and as heated as they are, um, you know, a, a show of police is always uh, felt as a threat by the group and, a, you know, a giant group gathering like that that's loud and angry and clearly upset is always, you know, going to be a threat towards the police. So, sadly, that seems an inevitability. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, the positive thing is it was a isolated group. It was a small number. And, um, you know, as the Manchester United support Trust came out and said um, they applaud those those fans who did so peacefully and you know to bring their message across. The images obviously were insane. I was watching the Portuguese Grand Prix and all of a sudden it looked like the insurrection on the Capitol was happening in Old Trafford. Yeah, I know. Thought, well, know. Here's, here's, I mean, and, and that, that here's the thing. To me, the the pitch invasion that wasn't the violent part, right? They didn't, you know, break through violently. I don't think to get into that ground. You do wonder whether there's some collusion in play here and whether someone opened a door. Sounds you know, like that, that wouldn't could surprise have been me at all. Yeah, an right. Opening, an opening gate to let those people through. Because that was my first thought. That and seeing children out there with their dads yeah, kicking exactly, the ball around right? the pitch. And I'm fine with them. I and that's a statement, right? You are you are breaking down and, and and invading your home stadium. That's a huge deal. But to do it peacefully is quite the trick. So congratulations. But then you know you you hear about the stories outside the ground, which were very violent. You saw saw the altercations with the police. You know, obviously horrible scenes. And even in the ground, you saw a couple of things. You saw the flare being fired at the sky booth all right an idiot snuck in there with a with a flare and an, an absolute moron you see all that guy tossing the the tripod onto the pitch mm -hmm. right stupid things like that don't help but 
if it was, you know, if just a peaceful protest that spewed onto the pitch, great. That does make a real impact, I think. Um, but you have to kind of separate, I think, that from the violent minority, right? But I'm sorry, I'm English, right? I know how Englishmen react in mobs, and they're all gassed up, if you know what I'm saying. They're all hammered, right? And the police are there. They have to be there. And this is bound to happen. The English love a good mob. They totally. do. Right, yeah. sad, sad as it is, I'm not proud to say it, but we do, and this is generally what's going to happen in the end. Uh, as a Canadian, that's exactly what, what I was trying to articulate and saying. Whenever you get a large group together who's angry, especially about football, something they're passionate about, and there's you know police uh, who are off horse and uh, therefore not perhaps not as mobile. Yeah, sadly, you know, eventually that that's going to happen. But I, I really think that you know, they got the world's attention and talk about the timing on a weekend in which they were boycotting blackout and you know football is never truly out of sight out of mind but on social media in large part it really was and it was impossible for a lot of people to stick to that on the, on sunday well and that's the weird timing i know they obviously pinpointed this match as a you know like i said the biggest game in england right but given the social media blackout that didn't help them not to mention it overshadows what i think was a very important initiative by the premier league and by english football true right which again doesn't look good optically on this protest. And I want to support this protest. I want the Glazers out. I hate United. I'm a Liverpool fan. I want these guys out. I want all these billionaires out. You know, I want John Henry out. And listen, he's done great things in my club. Um, but, you know, for, for them to plan it for this weekend, it, again, it doesn't look good. And you said, you know, it gets global attention. I was watching regular news here in Canada this afternoon, and it was featured on the broadcast. It's hit the news cycle. Now, without violence, that ain't happening. They're not reporting on, on a peaceful protest at Old Trafford. They're just not doing it. However, the minute that, that cliched, stereotypical, drunk English soccer thug makes the news, suddenly it makes the news around the world, right? So as, as horrible as it was, it almost it did empower this cause even more because now everyone's talking about it. The Glazers can't escape it. You know, even the, the casual fan or the non-sports fan sees this news item on city TV or on CBC or wherever they're going to watch it. And they're going to ask us, really? So Manchester, yeah, I've heard of them. They're huge. Who owns them? Oh, these guys, again, more pressure on the Glazers. So do you think, do you think this will put enough pressure for them to sell or has it going to be a continuation? I think the only winner on Sunday and Monday morning are the newspapers and the news outlets who have something to sell and talk about and sensationalize. And obviously they do that with the violence. I think that's increases the pressure on the Glazers. I think this might um, spark some conversations with sponsors and you know, business partners of theirs who are maybe questioning, uh, do we want to be you know fully invested and committed with you guys? Like you guys are very well liked by people that we want to be liked by. So I, I wonder if that's, you know, how the situation and the conversation changes. If it's just because of uh, you know poor football operations and there aren't too many businesses that would you know want to walk away and partners that would pull their money out but essentially that's how you get change so you know if it's a if it's a chevrolet or an adidas or a giant partner like that who decide to choose the fans uh you know club over club over owner uh, in the same sense of the the club is you know bigger than any player same deal with the ownership right and the, i mean they're going to hang on to the to the very end but i think you could see a situation you know minus the the racism involved that was the case with the la clippers owner but i think you could see a situation where um the the league eventually says look like it's just better if you part ways let's find you a package here you're going to walk mm -hmm. away with a lot more than you came in with uh, i think you win just get out 
And yeah, I think that the whole landscape of the commercial aspect of football has changed because of this this failed ECL, right? That was always a threat before. The leverage they used over the other clubs to get you know more money from the broadcast deals, that's now gone, that, that avenue. At least for the next few years, that the threat, even the reality of a Super League's gone. So the, the Glazers and the Cronkies and the John Henrys might think, man, this this isn't quite the cash cow that we, we thought it was, to be honest with you. Maybe we, we'll spend our money elsewhere instead. Maybe they will just leave voluntarily because of you know what, what's happened has really put a real crank in their plans to, to you know make even more billions and like you said each of these clubs are worth so much more now than when they bought them they can make a big profit i mean christ the glazers just bought it on loans anyway yeah right? and now it's worth four or five billion perhaps liverpool was 300 million they bought it for right from hicks and gillette more americans by the way who, who failed and left under fan pressure by the way as well and now it's worth they're saying three billion. Um, I, I know they, they they turned down an offer recently before the ESL news um, of about three billion from some Middle East consortium, which in itself raises a lot of flags. Right. Maybe it is better the devil you know, but I, I do wonder if some of these guys are saying, you know what, we just can't be bothered with this. Not because the egos are being dented, but because from a financial standpoint, it wasn't what they thought it was. But I think the important thing there is egos and how big are the egos of the people that we're talking about. For example, the Glazers don't strike me as someone that would be you know willing to have a single person perceive that they walked away with their tail between their legs. Uh, every decision they make, every giant decision they make is their own doing and of their own will and volition. Um, I can think of some other owners who you know didn't want to deal with it, that it wasn't worth the headaches um, that we've seen walk away. Aston Villa's owner, we know, was happy to to get out at the end. And really, he kind of hung on too long and shot himself in the foot. Yeah, Randy Lerner, that's right. Randy Lerner, exactly, yeah. So... I can, uh, I just feel like the Glazers and Cronky are at a different level. They would, they, their egos are too big. They would never allow it to look as though that they were pushed out or pushed to do something that they didn't want to do. Certainly by the fans. Yeah, of course. I mean, God forbid the people win, right? They've been pissing all over the people for their entire business lives, probably. Let's be honest. And yeah, and do the people win if Mohammed bin Salman buys Arsenal from Cronky? No. And, it's and like, you know, visit Saudi next, Arabia next, across uh, the shirts. The next billionaire, probably trillionaire at this point, you know, probably billionaires aren't rich enough anymore. It's probably trillionaires with the now. And then we have the, the, the social health, social rights, you know, mm-hmm. coming up as opposed to just rich, greedy men. Mm-hmm. Now we've got, you know, Middle Eastern states getting involved, which brings up even more flags. You know, we saw Newcastle and Saudi Arabia and how, how the fans were kind of, eh, we're kind of uncomfortable with this, but you know what? It's better than Mike Ashley, yeah. who as far as I know, hasn't killed anyone. <laughs> Unlike potentially the owners that were coming in. Uh, I don't you know what I'm know. saying. Have you ever you know, run fans a, are fickle? Uh, have you ever run a mile in some of those shoes from DW Sports or whatever? Is it Sports well, Direct? Sports Direct that he owns. <laughs> there might be a, a shallow grave somewhere, perhaps. Yeah. A few, a few business corpses. Fans but, yeah, I know. It's, it's so, but what, 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 I, what I couldn't believe today, well, maybe I could believe it, was just how, you know, this was planned for a week. They weren't hiding it. We're going to have a protest. And, and even then, be it the police or the the Old Trafford staff weren't prepared. They must have seen this. This could happen. This could get a bit nasty given the the volatility of the fan base right now. For, so far as it happened, really makes me wonder. You know, you know, was there you know some some complicity here with with the club, not the police? I'm sure the police that was just mismanaged. Quite frankly, they right. should have been there in bigger numbers. Um, but from the club standpoint, from the the people working at Old Trafford. Even the staff though they're working that day. for the Glazers, the staff, yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes one steward, right, to open one door. That's mm-hmm. all it takes. 
Exactly. And I think that there's a lot of, you know, staff would be foolish to think that there was, you know, there's not a lot of staff there that are, are fans and have been lifelong fans themselves and probably feel more connected to the fans oh, yeah. than, than the, certainly than their bosses, you know, regardless of the paycheck that they're cashing. Well, yeah, they're, they're not making a million dollars in the Glazers. Certainly not. You know, they're making not. very average money. They could probably get another average job quite easily, you know, but they're United fans. Yeah. What what do you think of the repercussions might be for anyone who who uh, kind of spoke out? Um, I've been watching Gary Neville. You know, I just wonder: is he going to have his his plaque and his number removed from the Wall of Honor at Old Trafford? You imagine he, they did. It's getting quite. They're all getting quite pointed, and, and you know, good on them. And I think you should think be allowed to say what you want. Yeoman efforts in front of the cameras. Right. Really speaking from the heart. I saw saw Graham Soonis today sitting beside Roy Keane. You know, these are two of the hardest footballers of all time who played for very different teams, different eras, I know, but Liverpool man, United man, you know, and they, they, they were arguing at times, but basically they're on the same point, saying the same things, you know, it was great television. And then seeing Carragher and, and, and Neville on the sidelines, just speaking from the heart and whether you like them or hate them, it doesn't matter. You know, I think they've been a really important part of this. You know, the media's looked pretty good. I think overall in the last couple of weeks. I think so. Even if, you know, Sky tried to do this with the Premier League in 92 and, really benefited yeah from but it. i keep hearing the argument and, and <laughs> yes i see the comparisons but football was in a really bad place in england and in such a different 90s. place they needed rescuing and sky did it for the money because they're a brand new company and i remember interviewing i probably i've told this story a number of times and i have but i interviewed um, a guy called rogan taylor he's a professor of football at liverpool university um i did a feature on, on the club years ago and he's so well spoken and he broke down why the premier league was born from sky and sky you know, there's this upstart satellite company needed something to draw the punters in, needed something to force the viewers, the market to pay for a subscription. And they thought, well, what will people pay for? Well, porn, number one, but that's problematic from a regulatory standpoint. Can't really do that. So what's next? Football. Let's, let's buy football and they'll come. And they did. And I think the football improved. Um, around the same time, of course, the Taylor report came in from Hillsborough. You know, they lost a lot of revenues from games because of the, the, the seats as opposed to the standing room. Right. And it was honestly this, this perfect storm. Um, football was dying. You know, they missed out in Europe for five years since Heysel. The money was draining. The big players were leaving. And in came Sky. And, and really, they rescued football. And yeah, of course, they're greedy. Of course, they're looking for the bottom line. But can we say it was a bad move for the English football all these years later? Some would say oh. yes, but if you remember how it was back then, the violence, the vitriol, um, it's, it's a much better place. And I mean, you say, I think the key thing is you say that in a lot of people's eyes, your know, football was dying and you could make the comparison. You can make that argument now that based on the, you know, the rich getting richer, the small clubs folding, um, you know, the, the pyramid and the, the, the structure of, of European football, which makes it so unique is, you know, really was a threat that a lot of people certainly felt that way with the European super league. And I think, you know, combination with where things are in the world. And uh, again, the, the gap between the rich and the poor, that's exactly what inflamed so many people to really come out and stamp it out. You know, and we said on the podcast before, we wish there could be the same type of reaction to other uh, awful things that are happening in football, like racism key yeah. and, uh, and, and, it, and it should happen. But that doesn't make this sure. wrong though. You know, as much right. as, yeah, that's, that's a big thing in itself, which needs to be tackled better, but it doesn't make this reaction wrong. Right. Maybe, you know, fans are a little bit misguided, yeah. It's not wrong. And I think you're right. If you mentioned earlier, another term reform and maybe we'll, maybe we'll look down five years from now and then the government did get involved. They seem very keen, the government to, to force through 50 plus one 
legislation. I don't know how, I mean, I'm not a legal guy. I have no idea how they would, would do it with these ownerships who spent so much money on these clubs. Right. If there's a way, they'll find a way. It seems that something's happening. Something's moving. And if the fans, when the fans come back and it's pretty soon, right, we're going to see fans at games before the end of the season in England. If the fans stayed away, I wonder from that game, it's going to think one or two games, right? I think per club. Mm-hmm. Just imagine if the fans stayed away from that game, you know, and that would give a lot of thought this summer by a lot of these owners thinking, man, they've really militarized themselves. Do you trust the fans to do that? I mean, I think in England no. and certainly in a few, in a few places, I, I could imagine there being such a you know demonstration outside that anyone who attempted to go through the gates would be treated as a scab. That but is I, the point. Yeah. You no, know, but I don't know if that would happen at the Emirates. I don't know if that would truly happen through the VIP section of the hospitality gates at Anfield. You'd still have those people that came for the buffet and the experience and, the, the the VIP signatures that they get in the stand of the tunnel when the team comes in and that. So I do feel as though you would see, you would see an impact, you know, best demonstrated with full grounds, but I don't know how soon we're going to, we're going to get full grounds. I agree with you. I don't think they're going to, the fans won't boycott the games, not enough fans to make a difference. Anyway, you might see, you know, sections in the fan ends at either end of the goal, maybe, you know, less, less busy than usual. Mm. Um, but like you said, maybe, maybe the solution is, getting those fans outside the stadium saying, no, you're not passing us now in itself causes a lot of issues. And again, right. let's not, you know, hope that this devolves, devolves into any more kind of violence, violent confrontation. But if you really give a damn fans, if you really care, that's how you get to these owners, you know, better than protesting, but as far as walking down the street with flags and banners and shouting and screaming, just don't show up. But as evidence has shown forever, that doesn't generally happen, unfortunately. I mean, I honestly, personally, if, if I was a season ticket holder at Anfield, you know, living over there, I would not show up. If, yeah. I, if I wanted to make a real name, real, real, real uh, you know, point in a statement, I wouldn't show up quite happily. Um, I'm sure many people share the same sentiment. Would you at Villa Park right now? Say you're living in, in Birmingham, there be, and uh, you've got tickets for, for Villa, and you haven't been there for a year, and there's one game coming up, end of the season. Would you shop given assuming Villa was a super club and was part yes. of this breakaway? Well, we all know that they are a big club. I don't know if we have time big. left in the recording to be able to explain how big of a club they are against a team. They're always compared to this weekend in, in the kazoo Derby at Everton, but yeah, super big club. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think if I was a, a Brummy life would be very different, uh, but I would not want to turn up and you know, support my club if they felt as though that um, chasing the money and, and uh, ruining football in that sense was the, the best way to go about it no i wouldn't want to be associated with it so i, I fully understand that and 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 kind of wish that we would be, were in a time where we could see that demonstration take place you know i don't know if that will be come the end of the season i don't know if that'll that'll be next season i don't know if that'll be perhaps at the euros you know if, yeah, maybe. if, all, if all the matches end up being moved to england maybe you see a lot of demonstrations you know uh that yeah perhaps tournament maybe euros, yeah that yeah, you know, used as a, another platform, and and it, you, you talk about the you know the government involvement, which I think is super interesting because with all the foreign ownership, does the government have less of an you know a way of really forcing these owners to do what they want? If they were all English, then you have you know tax pressure and you have yeah. other ways to to really affect them. But well, this- like like yeah. Craig mentioned, Craig mentioned in the last podcast how they have got the power for visas, denying right. visas that that kind of angle, perhaps mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know how much. You know, I'm not a legal mind, far from it, you know, but maybe there is. But at the same time, they allowed the likes of the Glazers to buy uh, a national institution like Manchester United, basically on loans, 
on right. leverage money, right? They allowed that. The government allowed that. So, you know, they also know which where their bread's buttered as well. And these guys coming in with money, some of them. So how much time's left be on the pod, on the on the record here? I haven't got a warning yet. So if you want to take this conversation somewhere else, buddy. Yeah, very quickly, I know um for many years now we've had to watch Juventus win Italian Syria. We year in and year out, but it's all ended today officially. Inter Milan Internationale Scudetto champions. Good for them. Feels good to say that. Pretty incredible. And the timing, too, on the day that Manchester United fans walk into the Theatre of Dreams, Manchester United wins the Scudetto. If you look at the roster that Antonio Conte has assembled. Uh, <laughs> Inter. Good point, yeah. I never you thought know? of that. Yeah, <laughs> Ashley Young, Scudetto winner. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, world superstar. That's Alexis funny. Sanchez, back to his best. Uh, wild season in the Serie A. Uh, I've caught some of Juventus against Udinese, and at the death, Ronaldo scored, and yeah, he was uh, as passionate as ever uh, about it. And I think a lot of people had questioned, was his heart still in it? Is he going to leave Juve? How long Pirlo was there? It did feel as though if they didn't win that match that Pirlo wasn't going to see at the end of the season I don't think he sees the summer and starts next season to be honest but it, it was starting to feel as though that this you know this weekend alone was going to be uh, the height for Inter and the absolute low lowest for Juventus it feels a bit like uh you know in Scotland Celtic and Rangers finally getting back on the horse and finally winning again and you know look at the the, the body parts of Celtic managers strewn across Parkhead this season right and i feel bad for lennon of course who's taking yeah. the brunt right now but um man he just shows you know you do need change now and again change is inevitable you can't expect to win it every single year and i think Juve felt that for a bit and perlo will be the full guy you're right which is yeah. probably extremely unfair although it was probably unfair to give him the job in the first place but he took it and this is what happens you know this is top level football and teams like juventus expect to win do you think this will um be the last season for Ronaldo Juventus? I do, yeah. I think he's gone. I think that to go back to the point of the, the real winner on Sunday was the newspapers and the uh, the news magazines and that. Same thing with this summer. With the legal battles that are going to happen in regards to the EC, ESL and with Holland, Messi, and Ronaldo all likely to move this summer, I think that, that Ronaldo's time with Juventus uh, is done because he joined a team that was on the cusp of winning the Champions League and they're nowhere near that. Um, that's you know why would he why would he waste any more of his time? I still think is he staying he's, in Europe. Is he coming to MLS? Oh, I don't think he, I don't think he's he'd come to not MLS. Ready. I think he's no, ready. He's to not stay. there yet, is he? He's well, got I, another good, like solid, dominating couple of years left. I think in Europe, he certainly believes that he does, and I think that there are suitors out there, at least two suitors that would you know be willing to to write the check and test the waters. Uh, Manchester United being one of them. I don't know if that's just you know a, a hopefulness and a nostalgia that I'm hanging on to that would love to see, but to me, it it's, would be great to see. Actually, it would, and maybe that would appease the uh, the fan base, and they'd uh, fall back in love with the Glazers. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I see it really is just PSG and, and Manchester United as the only ones. Obviously, Florentino Perez will be chatting it up, and there might be some romance to go back to uh, Real Madrid, especially if Zinedine Zidane leaves. Um, I think he's, you know, the hot rumor to take the Juventus job, which is something I'd love to see, to be honest, because he'd oh, be, be amazing. Absolutely. He would be inheriting a team that he really has to put his stamp on, as yeah. opposed to Real Madrid. He inherited a squad that were on the cusp of winning, and, you know, he kind of could set it and forget it. Work, man. He's got to work now is what you're saying. He's actually got to, if he goes to UV, he's got to work and actually show that he can coach as opposed to just, you know, manage a bunch of egos, which he can do very well, apparently. But I, and I I think you'd see a lot of change. I think you'd you'd truly see a lot of change in his tactics and his styles. And he put on a lot of weight because he'd be stress eating. 
<laughs> it would Loser was there. Be oh, wait a minute. No. It would be hey, funny. You mentioned that Ronaldo and Messi could be leaving as well. You know, so I think Messi's more likely to stay now than he was, you know, six months ago, but still. If they're both leaving, Messi and Ronaldo, this old chestnut, right? I'm not going to ask you who's the best ever. Don't worry about that. If you're Man City or you're United and you can get one of those guys right now, who do you get, Ronaldo or Messi? Oh, do you think Manchester United would actually entertain the idea of getting Messi, though? Well, they have to entertain it, at least. Oh, Why wouldn't I they? I, you know, it's funny. Yeah, you're right. Why wouldn't they? I, I guess I never really just thought of it. I mean, Would they um, do it just to block City? Certainly in the past. I, if I mean, he's going to be in for him? I could see that more so with someone like Holland where I think the assumption is if he goes to England, it's City and no one else. And I could see United trying to swoop in at the end, as they have in the past with, with Sanchez was earmarked for uh, one club, yeah, I think. That's, that's right, yeah. For a couple other cases like that. Um, Mkhitaryan, I think, was another one that kind of swooped in. Didn't seem like they need him. They swooped into the last minute. So I, I you know, could see it in that sense. But, oh, God, seeing, seeing Messi in another shirt is going to be weird. But seeing Messi in a Manchester United shirt would probably be the strangest. You know what? If, if these owners are forced out or they decide to leave and new owners come in pretty quickly, you know, they want to make a statement, right? So this whole yeah. thing about only City can afford Haaland or only City can afford Messi, you know what? It could change in a hurry if, you know, the, 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 the sovereign state of Saudi Arabia by Manchester United suddenly. Yeah. You know what, though? Talk about 50, you know, the 50 plus one. I think there would be a huge push behind the scenes from the agents, you know, not to have this happen. Because oh, yeah. I, I feel as though, you know, the agents and, and player wages would be the, you know, directly impact immediately. It would be, and, oh yeah, for sure. And fans hate agents, right? We right. hate agents because the media hates agents. And we, of course, believe what the media say to us. So we hate them. So can you imagine if at the, the boardroom, you know, we have a chance to sign so-and-so, but old uh, Mino Riala wants, you know, his, his 20% cut. And the fans saying, oh, no, 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 that ain't going to happen. Oh, that'd be, it'd, be, it'd be the end of agents as, as we know them. But they would fight to the death. Mina yeah, Rayola would, would die in the street before yeah, someone went away. If it, 50 plus one isn't happening anytime soon. I, hope, I, wish it, I would think it'd be great for the game personally. Yeah. But you know, it has to be done ac- across the board, really, you know, across Europe as opposed to just England and obviously Germany do it. Um, I guess it works for Germany pretty well. It doesn't really hold back uh, Bayern Munich, does it? No, but I mean, it, it, some people made the comparison, um, you know, as Bayern was being celebrated for having turned down the European Super League, that this is basically how they treat Germany and, you know, buying buying the, the best yeah. from their rivals, regardless of, you know, rival boundaries and that and money is never an issue. And they always have the most of it, whether they, yeah. you know, end up having a fluke year and finishing third, they always have the most money every summer. To, they're not finishing uh, fifth, are they? So they have got cost certainty. That's right. Yeah. Cost certainty. That's a really exactly. good point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Bayern Munich are not. I know people are saying, "Oh, well done, Bayern and Borussia Dortmund." Like, come on, people. You know, do you think Bayern, if they could have done, would have done? Yes, Bayern absolutely, absolutely would have done so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but listen, uh, I'm sure we're out of time pretty soon. I get some of my dinner cooking, and I'm starving. But uh, this has been good. We're trying to do this more often. Uh, ideally, a twice a week podcast. I think that's what the uh, our dozens of listeners are demanding. Yeah. So, uh, are you up for this next week? Absolutely. Darren on TikTok in, in England and my dad keep sending emails to, uh, you know, feedback at footyprime.ca, then yes. All right. We'll, we'll try and give the people what they're asking for. Those two people. We'll give you two, two a week. <laughs> I'm down for it. You man. got it. You got it. All right, B, enjoy this. Uh, another crazy day and we'll get back to it on Thursday. I'm sure the stories uh, evolve from that.
Cheers for listening. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, was, I thought you can jump in there a little that's, bit and then I'll say cheers for, for listening. But oh, sorry. No, go I ahead. Thought you, I thought you, you were oh, after, after you, cheers for listening. <laughs> Take it away, B. You close out this this thing. This has been Footy Prime, the unexpected edition at the end of your weekend. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.